Hello, my friends, and welcome to Backable. Today, I'm joined by Alana and Nigel, and we are talking about making our businesses compete unfairly. Why? Because we're going to use a concept called MVP that's been made popular over the last two decades, and we're going to break it down and show you how to apply this in your business so you can outperform your competitors. I really like this one. I hope you enjoy it. nothing better than running a company when you're especially a little smaller one when you know you're more effective and efficient which means I can do the same as a bigger company with half the time and resources and this isn't a guess this is actually something you need to learn and we're going to go through today with Alana and Nigel basically the vernacular that was developed in 2001 called MVP which stands for minimal viable product but it's a very fancy way of saying how do I do more with less For everyone listening out there, and particularly if you're listening to this podcast, being backable, we're always looking for top performance using the minimum amount of resources to get the maximum result. Because as a growing business, you shouldn't have tons of resources. You should be reinvesting into your business. So you're always going to have this problem of, oh, I just need some more money. Oh, just if I only had an extra person. No, no, no. That's the game we're all in, which is becoming more resourceful. And this concept of MVP once you understand it and take it out of the world of tech startup and actually go, well, how do I apply this to my business? You'll understand that this is a cultural shift that every business needs to have because we have to keep innovating, we have to keep progressing, and we have to be able to do more with less. And it's a very nice way when when you recalibrate what this can be for you of how you can become extremely effective as a business with limited time resources or whatever you need to continue to innovate because the reality is if we don't innovate we're screwed that's the reality every business is dying what we're trying to do is just keep our extended life force going it'll be a fun discussion today i'm really i really love this topic i've lost a few limbs not understanding this in the early in the early stages and paul and lana being married to me knows that a limb means um wasn't there a whole bunch of cash sitting somewhere? <laughs> yeah, not anymore, unfortunately. I want to talk about some personal stories to start with. So let me give you an example. A lot of businesses, clients and people that we see, they do not understand this concept because they do silly things. Now, let me take you back into my history. When I started a sports apparel company, I did not understand this. Instead of maybe ordering a couple of pieces of apparel, I ordered 8,000 units. Now, when you're starting up a business and you've done no real testing and you order 8,000 units, it's pretty pretty hard to move 8,000 units. And the whole idea is, okay, well, why would you spend all your budget on an idea? And if I'd known this, what we're talking about today, which is minimal via product, I might've ordered 10 units, tested the market, done all these sort of things. I'll give you another example. When I was trying to launch a television station when I was 21 years old, instead of taking the concept to the decision makers, I decided to build one of the shows that cost at the time, which was 20 years ago, $30,000, $35,000 to build a DVD that when I got to the decision maker, didn't really need to see it anyway. And this is one of the biggest (laughs) challenges that actually people- I feel sick. (laughs) That actually people find when they're trying to build a product and that is- 
how can I actually get it to market in a way without spending all the time, without spending all the money? And I think it's something that a lot of people uh, as business owners do have issues with because they get so excited by their idea, but they miss that step of testing the idea first. And it comes back to one of my favorite quotes, which is about car racing. And it's how do you win going as slowly as possible? And what it means is how do you get the idea out there? How do you test that idea without spending all the resources? I think this is the whole idea is if you're listening to this and you own a business, this is essential. If you're a if you're a person in your career just wanting to know more about business and educate yourself, it's the same thing. It's the whole idea of how do I become better at performance. It's a very important thing because this needs to be part of your DNA eventually because if you don't have it, you'll eventually run into a great idea that you throw too much resources at and you you damage yourself. And it might not be that you lose the whole business. It might be the recovery time is too long. What we're trying to do is we're trying to find the fastest way to test a hypothesis. That's all this is. And we'll go through the fancy words so you sound smarter when you're talking <laughs> to other business people. But that's all we're trying to work out is how can we test a hypothesis? And remember, entrepreneurial people, business owners, we're all very positive people. We see the world as in, I've got an idea and people are going to love it. And when you start to get confidence, you actually become more risky if you haven't learned this because you'll start throwing more resources, time, and you'll start to feel invincible. You know, have, read any biography, autobiography, and you'll, you'll hear their story around, yeah, I thought I had it nailed and that's where I lost everything. You would have heard every millionaire saying, yeah, I've been bankrupt two or three times. It's learning principles like this so you have a way of operating. So when you do get confident or you start to rely on other people and not across everything you do, that they also have a process in which you're happy with to test ideas, innovate without basically losing the family jewels, wiping yourself out, slowing time down, taking too big a hit, whatever, because not everything works, nor should it. And that's the joys of being a business owner is you have many, many ideas, but to actually be able to apply this process to an idea means that only the best ideas get through and it means that your business can actually grow and scale and offer the value that it's meant to without you losing everything on every idea that comes across your plate. Yeah, and, and one of our um, key principles when we're working with businesses in our performance consultancy is you have to be running experiments as well as doing the fundamentals. You just have to find a basically an experiment factory in your business and it could be something small by a new way of doing a sales strategy. It might be innovating a new product, but you have to be running these experiments because we're not living in a world where you can't not innovate quickly. Speed has become the currency that we're all talking about. The world has just quickened. So this is an important thing. And I want to give a little respect. Maybe we just give a little, um, just a little history on where this has come from. We're talking today about the concept called minimal viable product or MVP. And it was coined by a guy called Frank Robinson in 2001. You've all got Google, so look it up. But made very popular by a guy called Eric Reese, who wrote a book called The Lean Startup. And he basically took the concept and really broke it down for tech startups because there's such a, a different way of operating in such a high-performance environment in terms of how quickly you need to pivot, the minimum you need to do to test, get market feedback because it's ultra-competitive. And you know it's that whole thing that you know, Reid Hoffman talked about, blitzscaling, how do we grow as fast as we can as quickly you have to have some of these fundamentals and everyone in the business or the organization behaving in the same way so we're going to take that idea and bring it really down to how can i improve my performance today in my business or my position 
So the concept of MVP is most powerful when we're applying it to the whole organization, which is how do we stop wasting time and energy on things we don't need to do? Where do we need to take our first little stop and go with the information we now have from behaving this way, can we or should we then progress further? And Lana, let's talk about digital marketing because this is used all the time and you particularly use it as part of your standard rollout in any new customer. Can you take us a little bit around how, how does a company use this to set up their digital marketing? Often when clients come to a digital agency, they'll say, I've got X amount of money to spend. And let's just say they've got $10,000 to put into advertising. What they really should do and where MVP comes into it is they should take maybe $800 to $1,000 to begin with. And that's what they put into advertising. It's all relative, by the way. This is just as an example of 10,000. If you've got 10 million, good luck to you. If you've got 100 bucks, it's probably not enough to start. But anyway. You start with a small amount. And the reason being, an agency will say, for us to sell your product, we think we have three audiences. Within these three audiences, there are three messages. Within the three messages, we have three lots of creative. So already we're starting to say what audience will respond to what message and will respond to what creative. What you don't want to do is throw your entire ad budget at figuring out the answer or proving the hypothesis. So in the digital agencies, what you will do is you'll take maybe 5% of your ad spend and for a month you'll test it. So you'll give $1,000 to the three audiences and you'll follow what the data tells you. And the data might say audience one responds really well to message three. Yeah, because there might be a different ad set, different copy, different imagery, all these little things that make a difference. You take that data and you can say, did you know that audience three actually didn't convert? It did not prove our hypothesis. So you can, when you take the next step with more ad spend, you can actually decide, I think we should take audience three out altogether because it's not giving us what we want. We might come back to it in the future, but for now with our hypothesis being what audience will spend money with us, it's been proven that audience three will not. So then you can take your $10,000 or your million dollars and apply it to the audience that responded to the message and the creative. Therefore, you've used your MVP at the very beginning without spending all of the money to get to the end result. So have a think about that. I mean, if you're listening into this, in there, you, you've just heard something that you can use in your business to basically outperform people with more budget. This is the great thing about having a business. Most bigger businesses are throwing cash away by ineffective use. They go to an agency that they're, they're working in bigger budgets, so there's less less scrutiny on what happens because you can actually, particularly in digital marketing, you can actually make the numbers look whatever you want if you're you're sort of good enough at it. It's not about cheating. It's about where to put the money. But if you can sit there and say, well, wait a minute, most companies go out and say, I'm going to spend $1,000, let's say, on digital marketing. We just add zeros if depending on the size of your business. It makes no difference because I promise you we've seen everything from $1,000 to a million dollar budget and it's the same principles being applied. One company says, we're going to invest a thousand bucks and see what happens. Another company says, we've got a thousand dollars. The first 10% is testing. The second 20% is going deeper into the hypothesis and the results that are coming back. And the last 70% is going to be going deep with things that we know work. Now, 
if you have a look at the end of both experiments, one company's thrown $1,000 at giving it a go and the others have broken down and learned. After that $1,000, you might not have everything you want, but one company's got data to push forward and they know whether they should continue or they should move, pivot, innovate, change the story. The other company is, we're just down a thousand bucks. Take that over years and years. One of those companies is so far into the stratosphere of more successful in that one thing compared to the other one who's still throwing money. You can outperform all your competitors by using this idea of how, before I spend more time and resources, can I gather more information to then be able to go harder because people just don't use this. And why it's so important is that you can stay statistically or stereotypically, this is what will happen. And bigger agencies can say, we've worked with the biggest companies in the world, so we know what their data says. Why MVP and why it in digital particularly is so important is you've got the world of your customer. So it doesn't matter what your competitor did. It doesn't matter what the big players did if you're a smaller business. You get to figure it out based on your reality. You shouldn't be told what your MVP says based on the reality of someone else. It's what works for your business. This is your IP you're developing, which is understanding in this case might be acquiring new customers. Even think about it in this way. Say just by being or operating like this, you can get the same results as your direct competitor with 80% of the budget. Just say you save 20%. You go, well, that's great, but it's only a 20% saving. No, 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 no. This is where you can take that 20% and use it to run an experiment that your competitor isn't running, a new audience type, a new idea, a new um, concept or messaging. You're able with the same amount of budget then to start doing more. And if you think about this month after month, year after year, you can't lose with all things being equal, just in that one thing, let alone 50 other areas in your business where you might be able to use this same concept. This is why it is so important. Particularly in SMEs, money is just thrown out the window. So it's, it's actually very funny. I was um, thinking about this over the weekend and it was, here you are with smaller businesses. Let's say anyone under 10 million, you're still a small business. You've got the most limited time and resources, yet they are so wasteful. Every single unit of time, energy, effort has to be heavily scrutinized because there's just not a lot of it to waste. Yet, none of this thinking is put in place and people are throwing away their opportunity to really be a great company. That's why when you, you know, we go in and take over a company or we buy a company, the efficiencies you find just by behaving a little bit different, applying this type of thinking, you find such upside without even you know, being too smart. And it's a really nice bridge into another section of this, which is any company has got a customer or a client and they are some of the best people to test your hypothesis on. And some some companies are too scared to ask or some companies don't know how to ask, but you're creating a product or a service that solves a problem. So why not actually go out to the people who want the problem solved? Maybe this is a great segue into one of the really cool strategies you can use with this whole MVP idea, which is how can I pre-sell things that don't currently exist? Now, before you get a little worried and say, well, wait a minute, that's unfair. You, you can't do that. No, no, this is pretty common. I don't know if anyone's heard of crowdfunding, which is I'm going to invest in this idea that's not built yet and hope that they, these guys that have never done it before can deliver a product, which I 
I love crowdfunding because I find it very funny. I've, the whole idea of it's very funny because we see how many businesses don't succeed. And you've got these people who do a really flash video and it's really cool and it's so excited. And then you go, and all we need now is just the money to get it going, which is anyone who's ever built a company realize, no, that's where the work starts. The flashy <laughs> video is the easy bit. I don't know if anyone's heard of Fire Festival. Anyway, let's <laughs> leave that alone. As one of our strategies, and Lana, we've done it along, Nigel, we've done it many times, which is maybe I'll go back to when we started our performance consultant. We decided to do some group classes because we were getting a lot of people through our sales funnels that we thought we could help, but it wasn't really our core business. They were too small for who we really target and who we feel we can give the most impact. But it got to a point where there was too much volume of a smaller type of client. So I said, okay, we want to run a group class. We can help these people. We can find a product, but we're not going to spend all the time building the product. We're not going to build all the education. We're not going to get the specialists in. We're not going to build the electronic portals. We're not going to build the marketing systems. We're not going to do that. What we're going to do is tell people that we've got this starting in eight weeks' time and they can secure their spot. That's it. One pager. Would you like to secure your spot? And here's the outline. Now, the MVP for that is you need enough information for people to want to sign up or buy in. So that's the minimal amount of work you need to do. But you don't want to do one bit more than that because it's a diminishing return. If they're going to sign up with a one pager that explains what their program's going to be, great. If you go and build the whole program and they're still just doing the same thing, which is signing up, you've wasted all that time. But what it allowed us to do was go, well, can we fill this with 20 people, 10 people, whatever it is? And if we couldn't, we could always cancel it. Go, no, it's not enough interest. We were kidding ourselves. A lot of tire kickers. We, we missed it. But we haven't wasted all this time. And this is really important, Lana, I guess, with any type of business, which is can I pre-sell something first? And there's a misconception, I'll say, that is it's dishonest that if I build something that I haven't yet done, but it's actually not the case. And this is exactly why we talk about testing it in the market first. You're not going to offer a group class if you know that you can't actually fulfill it. Now, listen, I did bring up Fire Festival before and I don't want to go too deep in it, but you can bite off more than you actually understand. And this is the thing around the integrity of who you are, your personal brand, the things you need to do. Many people have pre-sold things that haven't done. I mean, we once upon a time thought we could do live streaming and it was five years before the technology exists and we did sell that once. Luckily, we didn't sell it for it was helping out someone. So it wasn't a- And a you tra- also fulfilled your commitment yeah, to it. Oh, we fulfilled it. But we did have that nightmare moment of we love this and then realized, oh my God, actually this tech doesn't work because in Australia at the time, we actually didn't have the- bandwidth on the internet to be able to do it. Yeah, the tech existed, yeah. the skill existed, the gap in the middle was we had no funnel to put it up into the cloud. Yeah, and so so we actually, what we sold was right. We just hadn't taken into consideration where they wanted this done. And in saying that, client was wrapped, it all went really well, but we had to do a workaround, which was, guys, we know we sold live streaming at the time. We can't live stream with the literal venue you have. We're going to have to get a private satellite and that is not in the budget of your next 50 years. So, <laughs> But they understood that but it was okay because the idea was we want to provide this type of service for you. This is now what's come up because of us both agreeing that this is something we want to do. Now how do we adjust it and does that still work? Now if they'd said no, 
that doesn't work for us. Well, it just wouldn't have happened. Like, but it wasn't. It was the fact that even the original idea of what we sold, the communication with the client, it was fine because it wasn't actually anyone's fault. It just it was the realization of then going past the MVP of, ah, here are the challenges. Yeah, we, we found out the need that the client wanted was exposure. We placed high value on immediate exposure live. They just wanted exposure. So yeah. we still managed to put a product together in a timely fashion that gave them exposure at that time, just not through the medium we thought. Yeah, so the opposite of that would be, and let's just be silly with it, is you get a satellite up into space, you broadcast it, you do all that, and the client goes, oh, we don't really value that. We would have been happy just with that, but their bill is $10 million for the satellite or whatever it was at the time. But I'm being silly, but it's the whole idea of what a lot of people do in terms of wastage, time, energy, resources. They do the most beautiful, amazing, perfect thing and then realize, oh, it's not actually what we want to or the client wants. And this is why the testing of the MVP is so important and why the hypothesis that you're trying to prove, you need, you need to know it from the start. If we go back to the agency, so we've spoken about how internally you can create something. From an external point of view for businesses, it's this idea of how do you test what the client wants? Because it's within that testing that you figure out they don't want live stream, they want exposure. And generally speaking, you have to find what I would deem a good client. And a good client is someone who you can be honest with, that you can almost partner with to say, this is what we're doing. This is what we're rolling out. We would like to offer it to you for free. We won't ruin your brand. We'll keep you updated at all times. And at the end of this, if the product works, which we believe it will, and working is predefined with KPIs and what it should look like, we will give it to you at a fairer rate. This is how you make sure that when you test MVPs that you actually protect your brand and that you take away that fear that a lot of businesses have, which is I don't yet have it so I can't sell it, when in actual fact you do have it, you just need to work with someone to make sure that what you're selling is correct. And remember, we're taking the concept of minimal viable product and trying to explain it in how you can apply it. This is generally applied around building a complex product because the idea is at every stage that you're adjusting when you get feedback from the next stage of development. That's, that's in its traditional form where we apply it is, and let me give you an example maybe of a friend of mine who owns a restaurant. What's their MVP? How does this apply for a restaurateur? And you'll see and they go, well, think about it now. How would it actually apply? Think about how a restaurant operates. They've got a menu, which is the things that they can logistically repeat at a high quality over and over again, night after night. But that's boring. So what they start doing is adding a thing called specials. Now, special is might be bringing in a different cut of meat, a different way of, um, of you know, building that dish, whatever it is. It might have some more complexity. It might just be different. It's not just bringing in a new dish because it's new suppliers. There's a whole lot of stuff that goes in the background. But what is the MVP? If that special sells out every night, what do you reckon the restaurant's going to do? Add it to the menu. So they're testing their ideas by calling them specials. And you're the experiment. You're seeing if this gets to people. This is why restaurants not have specials. It's not only to evolve their main menu, but also to test ideas, allow the chefs and, and the people behind to test new concepts to keep evolving. Every business does it in some form or any successful business. And you've got to ask yourself, where am I not doing that? 
And even if you want to go deeper in performance, where are you not doing that in your life? Where are you not doing MVPs on things you might enjoy? Where are you trying things or you're going, oh, no, I would never want to play an instrument so I'll never even try. Whereas all these things are, where can I do the most or the smallest amount of time, energy and effort to see if I might like that? I can't tell you how important it is. This is everything for a company because if you're someone sitting there, just say it out loud. What are you doing right now that is testing a hypothesis you have for innovation? What are you actually doing? A very nice personal example of that would be, have you ever signed up to a 10-class pass for a gym or a yoga studio or tennis matches? You get to try it for 10 sessions without ongoing commitment. This is what we're talking about here is how can I try something without ruining reputation, money, whatever it might be, to test to see if it works. Yeah, let's jump back onto the restaurant. How many times do you go to your favorite restaurant and order the same thing? Because you know you like it. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. I had the same sandwich for a year and a half once. Like, don't get me wrong. I, <laughs> I generally have no issue with that. But it's that whole idea of we get into this comfortable pattern where we don't try things. And this is the idea of this is I'm comfortable with what my business is doing, but I have to force ourselves to try things. I have to force ourselves to run with ideas that might seem too big at the time and breaking them down. Well, it's a great idea, but it might be years of development. How do we do a small part to start building up? It might be as simple as building an email list. I know we're, you know, we're, we're laboring the point, but it, most people who go, nah, I don't think it's really for me, you're the one. So you're the one we're talking to right now. You must think about this. If this isn't hitting home, something's wrong right now for your business. Because if it is hitting home, go, yeah, we do this, 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 and this. And you're like, oh, great, we're innovating as an organization. If you're sitting there going, nah, we're not that type of business, alarm bells should be going off right now. So where do you start? Where do you start with applying this? How do you apply it? You've got enough to do every day, let alone running your business and you think, okay, now I've got to add this thing in. Yes, you do. So let's think about it. How would I do it? Well, I'll tell you exactly how we do it. The first thing is I like to look at every single scenario in my business as what is the trigger I have to keep progressing that action. So let me make that simpler. Any task that's set, any um, project that's on, I, in, as the leader of the company, as the CEO, thinks by this stage, this is what needs to occur. And if I don't have the feedback of what I expect that project to be progressing, that's my trigger to continue on doing the same thing because it's going in the right direction. If I haven't hit that trigger, then that's the MVP hit, which is we've done the minimal viable product or performance. Let's call it minimal viable performance up until that point. And then I'm going to step in or I'm going to address it or I'm going to ask different questions, whatever that is. So that might be a budget, stop loss. It might be a time. So you've got this quarter to achieve this much in it. It might be a number of factors, but you need to know as the business leader, what is the trigger to make sure we're not throwing good money after bad or good energy after bad in any type of activity your business is doing. And when you start seeing the matrix like that, when you start seeing everyone's performance like that, you start to feel comfortable of the things you don't have to put as much energy into and the ones that you need to really intervene. Because the whole idea is to negate our losses 
not necessarily maximize our gains. If things are working, that's good. We want to go deeper and faster. If things aren't working, how do we cut them off quickly so we can pivot fast enough to still give an idea that might have a chance, an opportunity to be successful if we do it a slightly different way? So for me, the key thing in this whole concept is to understand what information do I need to continue for me to be positive about the hypothesis I have on an idea. And as soon as you got that in your head, the rest becomes pretty easy. When do you need that by? Fair, Lana? Very fair. And for anyone who might be listening and not sure, they might want more information or um, more details on how they can do it, just head to backable.ai where we've put all this info up so you don't have to Google or do your research. We've got downloadables, we've got videos just to help because this concept, while it can seem simple, can be quite a big one. And so understanding it fundamentally will help, as will the steps of what to do next. Yeah, I think um, in terms of the resources, something there will be useful for your company right now. But this is very an important concept, particularly if you're planning on growing your company or your, even if you're working and you want to get better performance, you have to work out where your time, where is the MVP for everything you do? Where's your time, energy, and resources maximizing the progression of what you want to achieve? As soon as you understand that, as soon as that becomes a way of operation for you, you become a very, very valuable person, a very, very valuable commodity. If it's your company that institutionalizes this and it becomes a cultural behavior, Will you become a very, very dangerous company and one which is even in the times of uncertainty, you're going to find a way out because you're going to maximize resources, you're going to maximize the things that others won't and that makes you absolutely backable. Have a great weekend. Well, that's all we got for this week, folks. So thanks for listening. And as Lana mentioned, you can head on over to backable.ai to access all the downloadables we put together. There, you can learn more about minimal viable products or performances and get some tips on creating your own MVP. If you enjoyed this week's podcast, please don't forget to like, subscribe, and if you have a minute, please leave a review. So there's a lot going on in the world of both Backable and Philodemo. If you want to stay up to date, please follow us on one or all of the platforms you can find in the show description below. As I said, that's it for this week. So have a great week and we look forward to speaking with you next week. Bye.